his offering this morning. You believe he's coming back again? Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. I tell you, if we knew how true those words really are, if we really understood how close it is, if we really understood everything that goes along with that, I'm not sure if I'd even get to preach this morning. I'm not sure but what we'd be up in these aisles shouting and rejoicing and magnifying the wonderful name of Jesus to just know that he is indeed coming back to this earth again. What a wonderful, marvelous thing that is to know and to understand today. And I hope you're walking in that truth and living in that truth every day of your life because one of these days soon, it's not gonna be just something we sing about. It won't be something we just preach about. It's something that is going to happen just as surely as you're hearing the sound of my voice this morning. Well, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Glad everybody didn't go off for Father's Day. We do have a lot of our people that are on the roads this morning. We want to continue to pray for them. Perhaps many of them will be making their way back home this afternoon. Let's pray for our people that are out traveling, seeing their fathers and being with them today. But we're glad that you're here in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to add my voice before you stand for our scripture reading. I want to just add my voice to what Pastor Eric has always said, already said to our fathers. We honor you today. Uh, you are uh, such an important part of what God is doing here in this church and in your families and in this community. And as your substitute pastor for a little while, I just want to congratulate you and honor you today and bless you in the wonderful name of our Lord. I was thinking coming up the road this morning toward the church, I was thinking about Father's Day and uh, thinking about what you can say about your fathers. And all of a sudden, it was like the word leadership just jumped into my spirit. The Lord began to say to me, our fathers and our men are the leaders. I have given to men, I believe the Lord's given to men a special something when it comes to leadership. Now that's not to say that ladies can't lead. Many powerful leaders have been women. But I believe there's something written into the very DNA of men that God has intended for us to be leaders. Leaders in our home, leaders in our community, leaders in our family, leaders in the church. And I just want to encourage you as uh, what God intended for you to be. I want to encourage every man in this place this morning on this Father's Day to be the leader that God has intended for you to be. Be the leader that God wants you to be in every capacity, in every segment of your life, and that of your family, and that of your church. I want to encourage you to be the leaders that God has intended for you to be. Well, I want you to stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're going to move along with our uh, series of messages on the end time events. I really struggled with this being Father's Day. Normally, we'd sort of preach a message, maybe along, directed more to the men, but I just couldn't get away from the idea that we needed to just keep moving along with uh, the series of messages that we're in. I feel like they've struck a, a fire 
in so many of you. I've had so many comments and so many things said about it. And I just felt like we ought to keep moving along with that this morning. So I want you to open your Bibles back to where we were last Sunday. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 24. You remember that this 24th and 25th chapter are what we commonly recall the Olivet Discourse. Jesus has left the city of Jerusalem during the Passover feast. They've left there, as I mentioned last Sunday. They've gone out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is questioned by his disciples. He is questioned about when the last days are coming. Lord, what will be the sign of your coming? When will the end of the world come? And in these two chapters, 24 and 25, he outlines so much of what the last days are going to be like and what we ought to be doing. And it's again commonly referred to as the Olivet Discourse. So turn there again to Matthew 24. I'm not going to read the whole section for the sake of time, but let me pick out the key verses that I'll be going to. And then you may want to leave your Bibles open there so you could underline these key words, you could underline these key passages. Matthew 24, I want to read verse 36, 42, 44, and 46. You can follow along on the projection. Let's go first to verse 36. Jesus, keep in mind, is talking here. And as I said last Sunday, how many of you know when Jesus says something, you might ought to really listen to it. <laughs> you might ought to really listen uh, when Jesus is talking. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus says, but of that day and that hour, the day and hour in which he's coming back, knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. He reminds us that we don't know when he's coming. We don't know. But then he goes into telling us what we ought to be doing until he gets here. Verse 42, he says, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And then in verse 44, he says, therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And then in verse 46, he says, blessed, listen to this, blessed, you want to be blessed? <laughs> blessed is that servant whom, when his Lord does come, finds him so doing finds him doing what he's supposed to be doing. Blessed will be that servant. Blessed will be that man. Now I want to talk to you for a little while this morning on this subject, living in light of the rapture. Living in light of his soon coming. How are we supposed to be living in light of the fact that we believe he's coming soon? Father, direct our thoughts this morning, I pray. Let your sweet spirit just continue to fill this sanctuary, to fill our hearts, to fill our lives. Lord, I pray that in these next few minutes, you will give to me that supernatural anointing that enables me to do what I cannot do in and of myself. Father, I just pray that 
fresh oil will be poured upon your servant this morning and that you will anoint me to preach this word in a way that will strike into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, the great truth that we need to be knowing and understanding today. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your presence. Just continue now to meet with us, we pray, in these next few minutes. And we'll thank you and praise you for it all. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our message last Sunday, we established the fact that the next great event on God's calendar is going to be the rapture of his church out of this world. I really believe that the next big thing on God's calendar is going to be our catching away the church of the Lord Jesus being called out of this world. We've established the fact, as stated in verse 36 of our text, that we don't know exactly when that is going to happen. We don't know when that moment is going to come that that trumpet is going to sound. But what we do know is that it's going to happen. We don't know when, but we know beyond the shadow of any doubt, if you believe this book, now if you don't believe this book, then I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Except beg you to get on the right track. But if you believe this book, you have to believe that the next big event, in my opinion, on God's calendar is the coming of his son to this earth again. And all of the signs of the time are pointing to the fact that that is about to happen. Now, in light of that certainty and in light of that reality, I think that brings us to a logical question. And the question is this, in light of the certainty and the reality that he could come today, tomorrow, next week, we don't know. But in the light of the fact that he is coming, I believe that leads us to this question. How then should we be living? What should you be doing? Let's, let's, let's bring it in real time. What if you knew the Lord was coming sometime in the morning? What would you do the rest of this day? If somehow you knew, if somehow we could know that in the morning, sometime before lunch, that trumpet was going to sound, what would you do the rest of this day and the rest of this night? What'd you do? And it could happen. We are, I believe we're that close. I believe we're living in those days. I told you the other Sunday, the signs are being fulfilled. What if? How then, and this is my question to you this morning, how then are we supposed to be living? What are we supposed to be doing in light of his coming until he gets here? How are we supposed to be living? Well, do you know our Lord answers that question for us? He answers that question in these next few verses 
by offering us a threefold challenge. Let's look at it and I hope you'll get it in your heart and get it in your spirit this morning. First of all, the Lord says you ought to be alert. We need to be alert. Look at what he says in verses 37 and 42. Look at 42 especially. I didn't read those others, but 42. He says, watch therefore. Watch therefore, for you don't know what hour I'm coming, but be watching. In other words, stay alert. Stay alert. To make his point here, to make the point about staying alert and, and the importance of it, Jesus then goes back to an Old Testament story. If you read these verses, he goes back to an Old Testament story and he tells us in that story that the attitude that prevailed in that day, the days of Noah, that attitude, he said, is going to be characterized in the last days just before I come. He walks us back into that story. And he says, just before I come, the attitude and the spirit that was prevalent in Noah's day is what's going to be prevalent in the days just before I come. Now, what was that attitude? Simply this, they were not alert. They weren't paying attention. They didn't really have it at heart that the flood was coming. Look at it. Go, go back into that story with me. They were not expecting the flood, Jesus said. Verse 39, he says, they knew not until it came. Even though Noah was preaching it, like I'm preaching this morning. I'm not preaching about flood, I'm preaching about Jesus coming, but you get the point. Noah, the whole time he was building the ark, the Bible says he preached righteous. He told them, something's coming on this earth. But do you think they paid any attention to it? I just want to let it sink in. Jesus said the same attitude that was prevalent in the days of Noah is the attitude that people will be living in and that will be prevalent in the days of my coming. In other words, they weren't paying attention. They weren't listening to what Noah said. They were unconcerned about the things that were going on. You remember what the Bible says of Noah's day? They were eating, <clears throat> they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were giving in marriage. In other words, they were focused on everything else. Noah was trying to tell them <coughs> that destruction is coming to this earth. Destruction is coming to this earth. But Jesus says here, they were concerned about everything else. Instead of paying attention to what Noah was trying to tell them, they were just busy having a grand old time. They weren't paying any attention to what the preacher was saying. It was just business as usual. How many of you know that's the day we're living in today? How many of you know we're living in a world that more and more is becoming insensitive to spiritual things? They're focused on anything but something spiritual. 
coming up here to church this morning. I saw people getting their, I believe saw one getting his lawnmower out. I saw one, I was working on, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, just all up and down the roads. Concerned with everything but going to church. Concerned with anything but being in the house of God. I'm preaching better than you shouting, but that's all right. We're living in a world that is becoming totally insensitive. They're not looking for the Lord to come. In fact, Peter says in 2 Peter 3 and 4 that people even scoff at the idea of his coming. You remember that statement? He said they'll be saying in those days, where is the promise of his coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have since the creation. I've actually had people say that to me. I've told you about a couple of stories. But I've actually had people say to me, well, preacher, I've been hearing that all my life. When's he coming? Jesus said that's what they'll be saying. They'll be saying, well, where's the promise of his coming? We've heard that all our lives. And they're concerned and focused on anything but his coming. But Jesus says, here's what you need to be. You want to know how you ought to be living in the light of the fact that he's coming any day? Jesus said, watch therefore. <laughs> in other words, be alert. Watch therefore. You want to know how you ought to be living every day of your life? Watching. Listening for the trumpet with an eye toward the sky. When's the last time you got up of a morning and you were so in tune with what I'm preaching that the thought hit you, you know, he might just come today. When's the last time that kind of thought dominated your thinking? When's the last time you actually, in the middle of a day or in the middle of the night, maybe woke up and your mind was just almost occupied with the fact that you know he could come today. Are you alert to that truth? Are you alert to that? Jesus said, be alert. Jesus said, be alert. This phrase that he uses when he says, watch therefore, it's what we call a present imperative. In other words, it means we should live in continual expectancy. We should live constantly alert. That's how we ought to be living today, alert. Constantly alert to the fact that he could come today. Do you realize if you, if, if you go on into chapter 25, five times in this Olivet Discourse, five times Jesus says, be alert, stay alert. Five times. In this message, Jesus says basically, watch, stay alert. How should you be living in light of the rapture? You should be living with an alert mind. You should be alert to the fact, watching, because he could come today. But then there's a second way you ought to be living. You need to be ready. You not only need to be alert, need to be watching, but you need to be ready. Look at verse 44. Jesus says in verse 44, therefore be ye all so ready. Be ready. Not only be alert, not only be cognizant of the fact that he could come today, and I need to stay alert. 
But Jesus says also, you need to be ready. And here, Jesus makes his point by using what we call a truism. A truism is something that states the obvious. And Jesus tells a little story here to make his point about, uh, uh, about us being ready. He tells the story of a man whose servant was left in charge of things. And, and, and I know, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. He tells the story of a man whose house was broken into in the middle of the night. Somebody came into the man's house and took a bunch of stuff. And Jesus asked this question. He says, how many of you know if the owner of that house had known that the thief was coming, he would have been ready for him and he wouldn't have gotten into his house and told his stuff. If he had been ready, if the owner of that home had known that the thief was coming that night, that thief wouldn't have gotten in and gotten away with his stuff. Why? Because the homeowner would have been ready. Why was that thief able to get in and take that man's stuff? Because the man wasn't ready. So Jesus says to us, be ready. You know I'm coming. You know I am coming. Be ready. Because you don't know when, you don't know what night I may show up. You don't know what morning I may show up, but I'm coming. So be ready. <laughs> be ready be alert be ready this context of being ready he is referring to it in terms of spiritual preparedness being spiritually prepared in other words he's saying you need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt listen to this you need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are saved that you are walking in fellowship with him do you know that today? Do you know, you say, preacher, what do you mean by being ready? This is what we mean. This is what Jesus means, what I'm trying to tell Do you know that you belong to him? And are you walking in fellowship with him? That's what it means to be ready, to know him and to be in fellowship with him. It's the same idea. This is the same idea here in the story about the man whose house was broken into. If he had just known the thief was coming. Jesus uses a different illustration in chapter 25. He gives us the illustration of the ten virgins. You remember that story. Five of them, Jesus said, were wise. Five of them were foolish. Now, what's the difference in those virgins? If you look at them, in appearance, they're all the same. In appearance, on the surface, when he talks about those ten virgins at first, they're all the same. They're all virgins. They're dressed appropriately. They all had the required lamp. If you just look at them, going into this story, they look the same. They're virgins. They're dressed properly. They all have their lamps. So what's the difference? Five of them, Jesus said, though, took no oil with them. Five of them didn't have their lamps full and trimmed and burning. They had their lamp. They were close. 
You understand you can be close but not ready? They were virgins. They were dressed properly. They had their lamps. But they weren't full with oil. And they had no extra oil with them. They had, in other words, they had nothing to burn in their lamps. The truth is, they were not ready. I believe what Jesus is describing here is something the Bible talks about in another place when it talks about people who have a form of godliness, but not the power thereof. Do you understand you can have a form of godliness and yet not have the oil, not have the fire, not have the light? Do you understand you can have that? I, I, I run into it all the time. You try talking to people, you try saying, you try witnessing. Well, I go to church. I go to church. Well, so does the church mouse if he's in here somewhere. You know, don't get nervous. I haven't seen a mouse. You ladies stay still. I, I haven't seen one here, but. Well, I go to church. I pray once in a while. I, I have a form of godliness. Jesus talks about people having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's what Jesus is talking about here. They were not totally committed to Christ. They had a form of godliness. They had their lamps. They had their garments. They, had, they were virgins. But they lacked spiritual life. In other words, they were not concerned enough. In other words, they simply were not ready. Do you know when the Lord comes, there's going to be a lot of people that are good people? They're not crooks. They're not bums. They're not child molesters. They're not rapists. They're not murderers. They're not thieves. They're not... They're going to be good, good people. But they're not ready. Jesus said, be ready. Be ready. Be alert. But you also have to be ready. Listen to it again. He said, therefore, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the trumpet will sound. The church will be gone. And you'll be left if you're not ready. Listen to me, church. Listen to my heart. You'll be left if you're not ready. If your lamps aren't trimmed and burning. If you don't have the oil of the Spirit. If you're not ready. You can be left to go through the awful things I'll be preaching about in the coming Sundays to go through the tribulation, to go through what's coming on this earth. You talk about hell on this earth. Hell is coming to this earth. You don't want to be left. Be ready, Jesus said. Be ready. And then a third one. Jesus says, be faithful. You want to know how to live till I get there? Stay alert. Be ready. And stay faithful. Look down 
in verse 46. He says, blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh finds him doing what he's supposed to be doing. In other words, being faithful. Look at it. Here, Jesus is telling us it's not enough to be alert and to just be ready. You also need to be working. You also need to be doing what you're supposed to do. Now here Jesus uses the analogy of a trusted slave to make his point. Often in the days of Jesus, wealthy people would have special slaves that they fully trusted. And they would use those trusted slaves to serve as overseers or managers of everything they had. They would entrust to that servant, I trust you enough, though you're a servant, I trust you enough that I will leave in your hands while I'm gone, maybe into a far country, on a trip, on a journey. I'll leave in your hands my wealth, my things, my possessions. I'll let you oversee my household, everything about it. Jesus here talks about two such servants. Apparently this man Jesus had in mind had two servants. One of them Jesus calls faithful. The other one he calls evil, down in verse 48. What's the difference? What's the difference? Both of them are apparently trusted enough that the rich man has made them the overseers of everything he has. So on the surface, they must have both looked good. He trusts both of them, but what's the difference? Here's the difference. One of them, according to Jesus, was a faithful and a wise servant. In other words, Jesus says he went about his work every day, taking care of business, doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was faithful. He was faithful looking after his master's assets, that represents being a good steward of all the resources. I preached about that a few weeks ago when we did the stewardship series. Being a good steward of all the resources God's blessed you with. And then he was taking care of business. He was doing the things, the business operations of the church, the business operations of the kingdom. He was taking care. In other words, he was doing what his hands found to do. He was up and about his father's business. In the light of his coming, are you up and about your father's business today? Are you up, are you, are you consciously, cognitively aware that you're up and about your father's business? Jesus says, be faithful, be working till I get here. That's the way you're supposed to be living. You're supposed to be living alert. You're supposed to be living ready. And you're supposed to be working up and about my business till I get there. The other servant Jesus calls an evil servant. Look at this. He says in his heart, here's what he, he says, that evil servant says in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. In other words, he's really not looking for his Lord to return anytime soon. 
He's got it in his mind. Oh, the Lord, I, my master says he's coming home, but you know, you know, he's off in that far country. Ain't no telling who he's met, no telling what he's doing. It may be six months before he shows up. It's what Jesus says this servant is doing. He begins to indulge himself in sin and pleasure. He in other words, he starts looking after his own desires, the things he wants. Whose business are you looking after today? Yours or his? He's looking after his desires. In other words, he gets careless with his master's assets. He gets careless with the business operations. Look what Jesus said in verse 50. He says, but the Lord of those servants will come in a day when they're not looking for him and in the hour that they're not aware that Lord is going to come. See, that's the problem. Too many have decided that our Lord has delayed his coming. Too many today are not looking for him to come. Too many today believe we've got plenty of time. There's too many people today that are living like, okay, preacher, I, I believe he's coming, but we're living like we've got plenty of time. I read a story sometime, got, I read it or I heard somebody preach it. I'm not sure which, one of the two. But the story says that once, many, many years ago, that demons were summoned in hell and to have a, talk about how they could best ruin, tempt man and ruin man. What would be the best way for us to ruin the human race? One demon said, I'll tell them there's no God. I'll convince them there's no God and I'll get them that way. Several said, yeah, that's a good idea. Another one said, I got a better one, said, I'll tell them there's no hell. I'll tell them God's too good to send anybody to hell. And no hell. A lot of times, oh, I, I believe that's better than even telling them there's no God. Tell them ain't no hell. God too good to send anybody to hell. The third one stood up and said, I got a better idea than both of you. I'm going to tell them there's no hurry. They got plenty of time. And all the hell went into applause. Said, you've got it. That's the way to get them. Tell them there's no hurry. How many times have I had people say to me, preacher, I know I ought to get right. Preacher, I know, I know this, I know that, but I, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start coming to church regularly. I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. There's just no hurry. You might better hurry. He could come before the sun goes down today. He could come before in the morning. He could come in the middle of the day tomorrow. He could come Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. You better get ready. You better be faithful. You better be working. Look at the results. And I'm, I'm going to finish. One of those servants, Jesus said, is going to hear his master say, well done. And he'll make him ruler over many things. To one of the, that servant that was faithful, that servant that was busy doing, that servant that was about his father's business. 
Jesus said when the Lord returned, when that master returned, he's going to say to that servant, well done, good and faithful servant. But to this evil servant that says my Lord delays his coming, to this evil servant that's really not focused, listen to what Jesus said. He said he will cut asunder and appoint a portion with the hypocrites where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Which servant do you want to be? Listen to the verdict. Come on, Rhonda. Listen to the verdict. Jesus said to one of those servants, he's going to say, well done. You've been good. You've been faithful. You've been working. You're ready. You stayed alert. The other, he's going to cut asunder and going to send him where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Which servant do you want to be when he gets here? Which servant do you want to be? Folks, this is Jesus. I, I, I'm not making, some of you look at me like you wonder if I'm making this up. This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus. Somebody might say, well, Brother Marley, let me ask one more question. Why does Jesus delay his coming? Why, why is it he seems to be delaying his coming? I'll tell you why. Two things. First of all, he's waiting for evil to run its course. He's waiting for evil to run its course. In Revelation 14, 15, a cry is given. Listen, a cry is given. Here's the cry. The harvest of the earth is ripe. It's ready to reap. Right now, the harvest is ripening. Right now, Jesus is giving time and space to all who will. Right now, evil needs to run its course, reach its full limits. And I don't know how long that's going to be. That's why we don't know. The second reason he's delaying is that he's waiting for that last person to be saved that will be saved. You know what the Bible says? 2 Peter 3 and 8. He says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <laughs> You understand, he doesn't want anybody in this building to die and go to hell. He doesn't want anybody in this world to die and go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. And for that reason, right now, he's still pushing his coming back, pushing it back a little, pushing it back a little. Waiting to allow all the time possible for the last person that will get right to get right. But one day, any moment, any time, the cutoff time will come. The trumpet will sound and he's coming. Until then, he says, be alert, be ready, be faithful. Stay alert. Stay alert. 
Stay ready. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Stay full of oil. And be faithful. Keep working. And here's why you need to do it. Here's the words of Paul, and I'm through. Chapter 13 of Romans, Paul says, It is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now is salvation nearer than when you believe. The night is almost gone. The day is at hand. Therefore, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Put on, in other words, be ready. Be alert. Be ready. Be faithful. For Jesus said, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. Will you stand with me, please? I think the thing that I wrestle with the most when I'm preaching through this kind of material is the struggle I feel to say, Lord, help me. Help me get them to really understand that I'm not just preaching. I'm not just going through an outline. I, I, I'm not just somehow help them grasp the truth of what this is saying. Help them walk out the door with an urgency about them that I must be alert. I must think every day about His coming. I must be cognizant them to walk out the door with a heart crying, Lord, help me be ready. Help me be ready. Don't let me miss it because I'm not ready. Don't let me miss it because my lamp is not full. Don't let me miss it. Help me be ready. And help me be working and faithful. <laughs> help me be faithfully doing what I'm supposed to be doing when you get here. That's the cry of my heart this morning. And it's the cry of my heart for you. That you'll be alert. That you'll be ready. That you'll be faithful. Father, will you speak to our hearts just now? Will you take these words deep into the psyche and the spirit of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building? Will you somehow help us to grasp 
the utter importance of what I've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. Father, seal this truth to our hearts. I wonder this morning, I wonder if there's somebody here that would say to me this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, Brother Marley, I'm not sure I'm ready. But I'd like to be. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that somehow God will help me to get ready. To get ready. Pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and take it down? I'm not sure that I'm ready, Pastor. But I want to be. Anybody? You slip up your hand. Anybody? Yes, I see that hand. Any others? Yes. Any others? You'll just slip your hand up. I'm not sure that I'm ready. But I want to be. I want to be. How many of you would say to me this morning, Brother Marley, so far as I know, I am ready. I'm trying to stay ready. And I want to be ready. I know my heart. I intend to be ready. Would you just raise your hand and kind of wave it at him? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Well, I intend to be ready. <laughs> Help me to know how to walk with you. Help me to know how to stay ready. Help me to know how to stay alert. Help me know how. Help me know how. Father, you see the hands. And I pray that right where we stand, we can make an altar. Lord, for those that are not sure they're ready. I pray right now that you'll give them an assurance. Lord, help them to know that all they need to do is call unto you and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. I repent. I accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord because I want to be ready. Lord, if they'll pray that prayer right now where they stand, they can be saved. I ask you to save them right now. Right now. Right now, Jesus, save them. And Lord, all who raise their hands that we want to be ready, I pray that you'll put a fresh desire, a fresh hunger, a fresh longing, I pray that you'll stir up within us the desire to stay alert, to be ready, and to be working, to be faithful until you come. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And amen. Remain standing for just a moment. I want to remind you that next Sunday is going to be a very special day for us. We've got some special guests coming to kind of fill in some things for us next week. Brother Trey Ward's going to be here next Sunday morning doing the music and the preaching. I think you'll want to be here for that. We're so blessed that he was free to come on kind of short notice. And then Sunday night, it just it's amazing how all that came together because we were needing some help, both services. 
It's amazing. At the time, we were in the process of contact and trade. The shepherds called, or well, they didn't call. Somebody representing them called. And they were going to be in the area and was looking for a place. And so the shepherds are going to be here Sunday night. It's going to be a great day. Trey will be here Sunday morning doing the music, preaching. And then Sunday night, the shepherds are going to be here in concert. I want you to spread the word everywhere you can. Get the word out everybody you can and let's just fill this place next Sunday to overflowing and come expecting the Lord to just do some great and good and mighty things in this house next Sunday it's going to be a great day I hope you'll make it in the meantime be here Tuesday night for the prayer warriors Wednesday night for our services and classes be here for that and be much in prayer for your church board your council Tuesday night we have another interview coming up and it's so important we, we're getting closer and closer to some critical decisions and we really need your prayers pray for discernment for your leaders pray for discernment for your leaders it's so very important that we have that remember next Sunday tell everybody you know get on the telephone most time I tell you stay off the telephones get on them this week if you're talking about <laughs> next Sunday's service. If you're not, stay off the telephone. <laughs> Get on Facebook if you're talking about next Sunday. Get on Twitter, Twinkle, or whatever it is. I, I don't know about all that stuff. <laughs> Get on there. Let's spread the word. Let's spread the word. We're going to have a great day 